Hello, my friends. Today, I talk about a most curious case from the New York Post, one of the best newspapers in America, some of the best headlines ever written. Um, this headline caught my attention because it's so absurd. It's about a woman in a women's prison who got two other women pregnant. Well, now that don't make sense. Now do it. I'll take you through it. Uh, but first, let me invite you to become a subscriber to the video version of this podcast. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com. And I think in this episode, it really helps to have the video because I'm going to be talking a lot about women or trans women. And if you're just listening to the audio, it won't make any sense. How can a woman in a women's prison get two women pregnant? That just doesn't work. Well... You know, what's called a woman these days is often a man, a bloke, a fella, a guy. And I'll take you through the legal and political craziness about a whole bunch of stories. But go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe, get the video version. Do it for the daily video content. I put out the weekly videos that four of our teammates do. That's 36 shows a month. Also do it to support us financially, if I may be so bold. We don't take any money from Trudeau and it shows, so we rely on you. That's rebelnewsplus.com. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, a criminal says he's now a woman, so he's put in a women's prison, and he gets two prisoners pregnant. It's July 18th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. Until a few years ago, if a man said he was a woman, that was considered a mental illness. Then in December of 2012, not even 10 years ago, a small committee of the American Psychiatric Association voted to stop calling transgenderism a mental illness, it had been the consensus of medical science that it was a mental illness called gender dysphoria. And you treated that illness. You tried to make someone better. You tried to make them abandon that idea. You wouldn't submit to it. You wouldn't abide it, abet it, reinforce it, condone it, celebrate it, and cut off their genitals or pump them through full of meds. No. But they literally edited the medical manual called DSM-5. That's the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual to Mental Disorders, the fifth edition. Did you know that medicine was done that way through votes? I didn't. And then Hollywood came on cue with transgender TV shows and movies. Of course, the Olympic medalist Bruce Jenner, now called Caitlyn Jenner, that was not even a decade ago. Now it's gone from a disorder, to positively being prescribed. Here's a top Biden health appointee saying it's positively a right for children to be able to get puberty blockers to switch gender. So we really want to, 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 to base our treatment and, uh, and to uh, affirm and to uh, support and empower these youth, not to limit their participation in activities and sports, and even uh, uh, limit their ability to get gender affirmation treatment in their state. It's madness, literally. Even Bill Maher, the sexually libertine liberal, sees that this isn't science. It's sexual politics or something. Dr. Erica Anderson is a prominent 71-year-old clinical psychologist who is herself transgender 
and who now says, I think it's gone too far. The LA Times summarizes, she's come to believe that some children identifying as trans are falling under the influence of their peers and social media. If you attend a small dinner party of typically very liberal upper-income Angelinos, it is not uncommon to hear parents who each have a trans kid having a conversation about that. What are the odds of that happening in Youngstown, Ohio? If this spike in trans children is all natural, why is it regional? Either Ohio is shaming them or California is creating them. (laughs) It's like that day we suddenly all needed bottled water all the time. (laughs) If we can't admit that in certain enclaves there is some level of trendiness to the idea of being anything other than straight, then this is not a serious science-based discussion. It's a blow being struck in the culture wars using children as cannon fodder. I don't understand parents who won't let their nine-year-old walk to the corner without a helmet, an EpiPen, and a GPS tracker. (laughs) And God forbid their lips touch dairy, but... But hormone blockers and genital surgery, fine. (laughs) Talk about a nut allergy. (laughs) At least Bill Maher is talking about it. You can't even talk about it in most places. I've seen censorship about Islamic extremism. I've seen censorship about COVID vaccines. But I've never seen any censorship as harsh and as fast as censorship on trans issues. I can tell you, you can't post this video on any social media, or it would get us a strike. Right now, the leading conservative public intellectual, Jordan Peterson, is banned from Twitter for misgendering someone, that is, calling them by their inherent sexual identity as opposed to what they politically say they are. You'll get banned for dead naming them too, that is, calling them by the name their mama gave them, not their adopted name. I wonder if that actually applies to the parents of trans people. I'm sure it does extra hard, actually. Ten years ago, no one would have even understood the premise behind Matt Walsh's new movie. It's just so absurd, but it's proof of how a wall-to-wall propaganda and education campaign and government campaign can change the culture so fast. Here's the trailer for that movie. What is a woman? Can you tell me that? <laughs> well, you're at the Women's March. You must have some idea. Please, if one person could tell me what a woman is. You are not here for women. We ask you to leave. What is that? I'm a husband. I'm a father for, I host a talk show. I give speeches. I write books. I like to make sense of things. A woman is not anything in particular. There is not one particular thing. It could be many things to many people. Some women have penises, right? Some men have vaginas. I like scented candles. I've watched Sex and the City. Yeah. How do I know if if I'm a woman? That's a great question. You're not a scientist. You're not a gender studies major. No. How do you know that you're a man? I guess because I got a dick. Can a man become a woman? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm not a woman, so I, I can't really answer that. Women only know what women are. Are you a uh, cat? No. Can you tell me what a cat is? Do you want to tell us what a woman is? I'm a biological woman. 
that medically transitioned to appear like a male. I will never be a man. And so they go on the internet and they're told that all their problems will be solved if they become a man. So you worry that there, there could be a sort of social contagion element of this? A teeny tiny bit, maybe. It got me at 42. Your child doesn't have a chance. And you're affirming it with hormones that have never been used in this way. Puberty blockers, which are completely reversible. Completely reversible. One of the drugs used is Lupron, right? Which mm -hmm. has actually been used to chemically castrate sex offenders. You know what? I'm not sure that we should continue with this interview. You don't want to talk about the drugs that you give to kids or? How can they be removing the healthy breasts of 15-year-old girls? There are masculine girls. There are feminine boys. What are we going to do about that? Carve them up? How can this whole thing be happening, Matt? I wanted us to have a safe place to be able to talk about this. Part of me wants to ask why you care so much. I, I care about the truth. I care about children. I care about the women who are having their opportunities stolen from them. Is it transphobic to tell the truth? The interview's over. Let's turn off the cameras. Excuse me. Well, fair I just wanted to know what is a woman. And you're not going to find out. Based on what I'm saying, would you ever want to move to America? <laughs> they say no. <laughs> Never. <laughs> We'll see when it comes out. Just nuts, literally. I think that movie well, feels like a comedy, but it's not meant to be. But the foreigners, especially those folks in Africa, they think it must be a joke, but the joke's on us. Look at this story here. I saw this in the New York Post. Incarcerated transgender woman, Demi Minor, impregnates... Two inmates at New Jersey prison. Huh. A transgender woman behind bars at a New Jersey women's prison impregnated two fellow inmates, prompting officials to move her to a different facility, a report revealed Saturday. They used the word her. Obviously, she has heard Twig and Barry's left and seems to be quite active as a man. That's the whole point of the story. He's genetically a man able to procreate with a woman or, or two women, um, but the newspaper is still calling him her. I'll read more. Demi Minor, 27, was moved last month from the Edna Mahan Correctional Facility for Women to the Garden State Youth Correctional Facility, a prison for young adults in Burlington County, a New Jersey Department of Corrections spokesman told NJ.com. Minor, who is serving a 30-year sentence for manslaughter, is in a vulnerable unit in the new facility where she is the only woman, the spokesman said. Oh, just, just manslaughter. Hey, sure, put him in with the girls. He killed someone, but he says he's a gal now. So put him in with women. They're in cages. They can't run or hide. He's obviously in close enough contact with them to impregnate them. Sure, that's safe. Is that consensual sex, by the way, or is it rape? Either way, what the hell is going on in prison? Look at this line from the story. She claimed guards denied her request to be strip-searched by a female Department of Corrections officer. Laugh if you like, but that is how it goes here in Canada, too. A prisoner in Canada 
has the right to simply identify as a woman. I'm not saying to express as a woman. You can have a full beard, you're a, all your wedding tackle. You, to demand that a female prison guard do the strip search on you. What about the prison guard's rights? This isn't about equality anymore, is it? It wasn't for a very long time. How does it work, though, when everyone starts calling men women? I mean, what if describing someone as they actually are is important? Like this, just for one quick example. News release. Missing woman, Ryerson Avenue and Bathurst Street area, Isabella DeGrasse, 27. So if you actually wanted to find this person who seems to be called Isabella DeGrasse, if this person is missing and you want to tell the public who to look for, why would you say missing woman? That is, if you're actually trying to find them, as opposed to show how exquisitely politically correct you are. He's got a full beard. Now, this person says he's a woman. He's obviously not. He might say he's a, a woman. He, he, he might even think he's a woman, believe it, but he is not a woman. And if you're trying to find this person, you probably shouldn't say it either. I'm no scientist, but I know that. Apparently, Joe Biden's new Supreme Court judge can't quite tell, though. Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? N not in okay. this context. So I'm you not a biologist. The meaning of the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition? Senator, in my work as a judge, what I do is I address disputes. If there's a dispute about a definition, people make arguments, and I look at the right. law, and I decide. Well, so I'm not... The fact that you can't give me a straight answer about something as fundamental as what a woman is underscores the dangers of the kind of progressive education that we are hearing about. So it's not quite for laughs anymore, is it? Not a laugh for the two women in a prison who were impregnated by a man in prison. Do you really think that was consensual? When you're locked in close quarters with a man who's a killer, is that, is that really consensual? Oh, and here's news from the United States military. This will terrify China. Look at this. Exclusive. Army training says soldiers must shower with transgender persons of opposite sex. <clears throat> I'll read a bit. An army training slide obtained by Breitbart News instructs soldiers to shower with transgender members of the opposite sex, even if they have not undergone a surgical transition. The slide says, quote, transgender soldiers are not required or expected to modify or adjust their behavior based on the fact that they do not match other soldiers. You will, though, or you'll be fired from the army if you don't submit to this. The training slides warn soldiers that violations of equal opportunity policies may result in disciplinary actions under the Uniform Code of Military Justice and that uh, equal opportunity policies, quote, apply to working, living, and recreational environment on and off post during duty and non-duty hours. You're being told to ignore the evidence of your own eyes. <laughs> Look at this story in CNN, but it's everywhere. Transgender swimmer Leah Thomas Nominated for NCAA 2022 Woman of the Year Award. That's a lie, of course. He's a fella. But it also serves to erase women, doesn't it? 
Leah Thomas, a genetic man who still has his penis, if I can say that word, has more rights than a woman. Woman. I mean, here, here's how. If you tell a woman she is not a woman, that's not a crime. That's not an offense. That's just rude. You're not going to get banned anywhere. If you call a woman not a woman, she has no rights other than to ignore you or laugh at you. But if you say that a man like Leah Thomas or that bloke the Toronto police were looking for, or that killer in New Jersey jail, if you say that those men are not women, well, they have rights a real woman does not. You can get fined or jailed or fired or disciplined by the army or whatever, banned from social media, of course. Men now have more legal and political rights than women to be called women. It's not funny. It's not sane. It was a joke briefly. Now it's the law. And if you're not against this, can you do me a favor? Don't ever call yourself a feminist. Stay with us for more. Once again, on our way to the A37, where the supporters of the farmers are looking to block the highway again. And as you remember, the A37 connects the Netherlands to Germany. just arrived to the blockade of the A37 and police have arrived already so we're going to see what happens. I think a lot of people are coming to the front now to try and figure out what happens next so don't go away. They're saying that maybe we can also a group of us can go to that side. But... The German side? Yes. Right. We're now on German uh, ground. You didn't see the board? We're on German right now. Do you know what? I didn't notice. Yes, we're in Germany right now. Right. There you have it. The way to describe this now is they're desperate. They are desperate to have their voices heard so much that they'll do anything now to get these policies scrapped, just to get rid of these environmental policies that could really damage their country. They're that passionate, they'll do anything. Uh, the, this is food. This is livestock. This is fertilizers. This is tools in which the farmers need to feed their country, to feed Europe and to feed others. And this could be happening in other nations soon. That's why we're here, Rebel News, to cover this story, to show the other side of the story. It's sad that these people feel as though there's no other way to get this message across, that they feel the need to block the border of two countries to cause major disruptions, as you can see. Well, that is just the latest video from our team covering the farmer rebellion in the Netherlands. They've been out there for more than two weeks now, providing the only reputable, just the facts, coverage of the farmer rebellion in the English language. In fact, their work has been so successful that left-wing mainstream media from Holland have done attack pieces on our journalists. Here's a snippet of that in Dutch. To report on the farmer rebellion. Die eigenlijk de grote oorzaak van de mogelijke onteigening van boeren zijn. Ja, laten we even kijken naar een korte compilatie van deze mensen. 
I just landed in the Netherlands. I'm from Seattle, Washington, and I'm excited to cover the farmer uprising this week with the Rebel News team. I watched the entirety of that segment. What a hatchet job it was. They started by showing about a dozen instances of random Facebook pages they found where farmer rebellion photos were inappropriate, in inaccurately labeled or things like that. So they talked about some random people on the internet getting things wrong. And then they attack our journalists, but didn't show any of our actual reporting on the ground. We didn't have any fake news because we only showed what we saw. We only showed what we filmed. We talked to the farmers and whatever they said, we published. We showed, we brought a drone with us, which was amazing to show the size of these farm rebellions. We learned some of these tactics from our coverage of the Canadian trucker convoy. One of our mottos here at Rebel News is just follow the facts wherever they lead. Just show people. They can make up their own minds. The Dutch press was furious that we were there because we were the only portal by which the English-speaking world can see what went on. Well, our trip to Holland is wrapping up. And joining me now via Skype from the lovely city of Amsterdam is our friend Lincoln J. Lincoln, great to see you again, and congratulations. Yes, Cesar, thanks so much for having me on. How are you? Well, I'm great. I tell you, I keep looking at these scenes of you in Amsterdam, in the Dutch countryside, and I'm wondering, how did you get that gig? Well, I'm stuck here in a studio in Toronto. I didn't realize how pretty Holland was. I mean, almost too picture-perfect. The other day when we were talking to Louis Brackpool, he was on a country lane and cyclists were whizzing by and everything just looks so picture perfect over there, but there's trouble in paradise, isn't there? Yeah, there's definitely trouble in paradise. That's for sure. I mean, just from being on the ground here in Holland, we've been doing so much driving, you know, about four hours of driving a day, I would say on average. And when you're driving across the country, you know, whipping back and forth from Amsterdam to the north uh, side of the country, the only way I can describe it is it's eerie. All along the highway, you see signs that say help, uh, other Dutch phrases that are, they're basically just asking for the government to, to back off. And it, it's visible everywhere. The, uh, one of the main symbols that the farmers and the supporters are using to show that uh, they're in distress is that they're flying the flag upside down. So they're flying the Dutch flag upside down. I mean, you cannot be in the Netherlands right now and not ask questions as to why are you seeing these things? But I think at the end of the day, most people are aware, whether you're in Amsterdam or you're in the north uh, part of the country, most people are aware that there's something strange going on. There's something weird going on. But at the same time, some choose to ignore it until it hits them right in the face. But overall, I think uh, most people here in the Netherlands understand that there's something strange happening. It it feels like Canada and the trucker convoy where the entire establishment was trying to downplay them. The media had nothing but hatred for them. And the media spent more time denouncing independent journalists like you and Lewis and Katie Davis-Court, who was seconded to us from the post-millennium, than they do actually reporting the story. It's almost like they hold the opposition to account rather than holding the government to account. It felt like that. Um, one of the divides in the Netherlands is between the country parts, rural parts, and the city. I don't think you saw that divide in Canada because the cities were locked down hard and the cities were tired of the lockdowns too. In the Netherlands, it's the farmers who will pay the price 
And I think some city folks sort of forget, they feel disconnected. You know, that, that truism, no farmers, no food. Yeah. Um, you know, if you think, well, I'll just order groceries delivered or I'll just order DoorDash, I'll order, I mean, you forget that food came from somewhere and you may be in downtown Amsterdam, a very urban person, but if you get rid of your country's farmers, you're in for a tough spot. Yep, absolutely. But to our surprise, so that was the narrative we were hearing, right? And it is true to a certain extent that the a lot of the people in the north in Friesland area, uh, different parts of the country that are about hours that are a little bit far outside of Amsterdam, they believe that the city folk don't exactly understand what's happening. They don't, like you said, they don't understand where their food is coming from. That's definitely true. There is people like that. We're going to have a, a streeters video where we go around talking to people in the city of Amsterdam. And you're going to see that, that some people, one of the questions I ask is, what do the farmers do if they are out of business, if these new environmental policies wipe them out? What do they do? Because it's not just about money for them, right? It's a way of life. They don't know anything different. So to my surprise, a lot of the people here in Amsterdam actually understood that, but there's definitely, definitely people, as you will see in the video, that just think, do something else, find another job. We spoke to somebody that was an, I, an IT guy, and he said, yeah, that's what I do. They can get into IT. I just don't think that they totally understand uh, the way of life for the farmers. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that I've mentioned it before, these farmers, you know, a lot of them, it's been in their bloodline. The land has been in their bloodline. The work has been in their bloodline for generations. And now the government basically just wants them to give it up. Yeah. So it's so easy for some people to say, yeah, just find something else to do. But it's, it's just simply not the case. You know, it reminds me of here in Canada where Justin Trudeau and his right-hand man, Gerald Butts, say to oil and gas workers and coal workers, oh, just transition to the new green economy. You've been an oil man for 30 years. Well, just learn to code. The thing is, when you take on those primary industries, energy, food, it's insane to shut those down. I mean, we could all live without, I don't know, bloggers or uh, food critics or, you know, like the, the, there's a lot of service industries that are more uh, elective, more luxurious, more unnecessary. But really, food, shelter, clothing, energy these are the things we take for granted because they're always there. I like to joke, you know, some people, you say, where's electricity come from? They say the plug in the wall. Where does food <laughs> come from? Well, the grocery store, duh. Exactly. You know what? Um, you, go, you go without food for a week um, or you, you, you have your grocery shut down for a week, you realize how dependent you are on that compared to some of the more optional or luxurious industries. I don't know. There's – I um, – there is one more similarity between Holland and Canada, and that is our prime ministers, Justin Trudeau and Mark Rutte of uh, Holland. They're both Klaus Schwab men. They're both frequent supporters and speakers at the World Economic Forum in Davos, which seeks to replace local sovereignty and local government with a globalist pan-national sovereignty that's really answerable to no one. They don't believe in voting. No one voted Klaus Schwab into power. He's been running the World Economic Forum for decades. That's another similarity, is you have these politically correct uh, puppets, really. And 
and I don't even think puppet is a big word. They they brag about how obedient they are to the World Economic Forum, and Klaus Schwab brags about quote penetrating the cabinets of countries. Here's a reminder of that clip. What we are very proud of now is the young generation, like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of Brazil, of uh, Argentina, and so on, that so we penetrate the cabinets. So that's another similarity. You've got these globalist prime ministers who care more about pleasing oligarchs than their own people. What do you think? Yep, and I, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's just, it's eerie how similar they are. You know, you call them young global leaders through the World Economic Forum, and that's exactly what they are. But I think the main concern and why this has gained so much international attention and why people are very interested to see what's happening here in the Netherlands is because people are worried that this is going to come to their country. You know, I know Canadians are worried that Justin Trudeau is going to follow these exact same policies and implement them in Canada. And the government justifies it as they're fighting climate change. It's the right thing to do. But who knows if that's the case. I think it's just an excuse to do whatever they want to do and follow through with whatever agendas they have. Yeah. And it's very, very strange to see the similarities between Mark Ruda and Justin Trudeau. But like you said, they're young global leaders with the World Economic Forum. I think all the writing's on the wall. Yeah. I can tell you right now, I'm not much of a scientist, but I can tell you shutting down Dutch farms will be devastating to the farmers and perhaps to Holland itself and its food security. But in the global scheme of things, with China opening another coal-fired power plant every two or three days, uh, whatever environmental, quote, benefit is done by shutting down a Dutch farm will be undone in a matter of minutes by the unbridled growth of carbon emissions and other true pollution, carbon's not even pollution, yeah. in China, India, Brazil, the world's uh, developing countries. It's insane. It's insane. Well, listen, I want to thank you and Lewis and Katie for your work. We've compiled it all on a special page, farmerrebellion.com, dozens of stories. You guys have worked so hard. And if folks feel moved to chip into your economy class airfare or motels, or I, I think you're in an Airbnb, actually, they can go to um, farmerrebellion.com and click on donate. Um, we're, we're glad to have you back in Canada when you come back, but I know you're subject to a two-week quarantine, so we'll have to make do without you in person. But thank you for uh, agreeing to submit to that quarantine. I mean, it's funny. The Netherlands let you in without a vaccine because you were a journalist they give you a journalist exemption no quarantine on co the coming inside coming back to country the country of which you were a citizen coming back to canada trudeau is forcing you into house arrest for two weeks just because he hates you it's you know what it's, it's really bugging me to be honest okay so i went on i have you have to um if you're unvaccinated, you have to submit a PCR test, which they just changed while I was down here on the trip. And I just found that out when I was checking in for my flight. So I had to rush, get a PCR test. I have the negative test, so I'm okay. But as far as, as far as I understand, when I arrive in Canada, I have to take another PCR test. And no matter what the result of that test is, I still have to stay in my house for 14 days. It almost feels like it's a punishment because I didn't submit to the vaccination. It feels like they're making me do this two-week quarantine 
just to just to punish me. It just yeah. feels like that, and it's it's bugging me quite a bit, to be honest. Yeah, well, it absolutely. There's no scientific basis for it. If you had two tests in a row showing you don't have the cough, why are they forcing you to be at home? Other than he can do it, you know. Even by the way, before the vaccine mandates, they only had a three-day um, hotel quarantine business before yeah. you could take a test to be free. The whole thing is punitive. Well, Lincoln, thank you for submitting to that on our behalf. It's because of that sacrifice on your part that we were able to get your journalism. Have a safe trip home. I'm sorry you'll be put in Trudeau jail because of it, but um, we appreciate you for the last two weeks. Oh, it's all worth it. That's for sure. Come to a, a, you know, it's a beautiful country like this and to cover such an important story. I would quarantine for a month and do it all over again. Well, don't so, say that. Don't, don't give him any ideas. All right, Lincoln, have a safe trip. We'll talk to you later. There you have it, Lincoln J. He's been on the ground working 15 days straight. He'll be back in Canada. Unfortunately, we won't get to see him for another two weeks. Stay with us. More ahead. Welcome back. Your letters banned from YouTube. It's a nickname I can sympathize with. It says, I may not agree with Joe Manchin on much, but the common ground he has found with actual Americans is noteworthy. It is a very substantial statement to his real character. I commend him for it. I hope some of his other ideals follow this one. He is not a typical liberal hysteric, and the left desperately needs someone in their party with some common sense. Yeah, I think Joe Manchin... There used to be more uh, Democrats like that. They were sometimes called blue dog Democrats or Southern Democrats. But frankly, most of them have been replaced by Republicans. I mean, that's good for the Republican Party, but it's made the Democrats more radical. Um, I think the Democrats need more balance in their party. They're becoming, I don't want to just blanket call them communists, but many of them are and you have extreme woke politics, to have one guy who represents severely normal people and say, whoa, I'm not going to go all the way with you. Uh, the shrieking and freak out by the Democrats tells you they are not balanced anymore. Um, I, I wish the liberals had more blue. I mean, in, remember in the States, the colors are different. Here in Canada, red is the color of liberals. Blue is the color of conservatives. In the States, they flip it around. So a blue dog. Uh, Democrat, that, um, that that's it's a complicated thing, but that's actually a more conservative Democrat. There's not very many of them left. Andy Mock says, can't believe that anyone that's part of the World Economic Forum can be allowed to be part of a government or have a high position in critical business. They should be removed and arrested for crimes against humanity. Anyone that still thinks that world will be a better place once the great test happens, reset happens, is in need of professional medical help. Well, I don't think you—I don't think you arrest or criminalize the people, uh, people for bad political choices or, or uh, like I—I I, I always say when people say arrest him or Trudeau for treason or whatever, I say whoa, whoa, pump the brakes. We do not want to criminalize disagreement because for the first point, you don't think that's going to be used against you. Of course, it will be. And second of all. There are real legal tests for treason or whatever. Trudeau does not meet those. He's wrong. I think he's immoral. I think he's unethical. I think he's a fool. I think he's corrupt. That's what five rulings of, under the Conflict of Interest Act say. But I do not think he meets the legal test of traitor or treason. Um, I understand that use in the plain meaning of the word. 
but it's like the word fraud. When you're talking about financial dealings and call someone a fraud, did you mean that in sort of a general way you're a phony or did you actually mean fraud? The word has two different meanings. I do not agree with you on that. But other than that one vocabulary objection, I agree with you. How can you serve loyally the interests of Canada and your constituents and the government and cabinet and caucus and the queen, but also swear an oath of loyalty and confidentiality to a lobby group, essentially, a sort of an oligarch's lobby group, like the World Economic Forum. You can't have two masters. That was my essential beef with Theresa Tam. At the same time she was allegedly acting in Canada's best interest, she actually worked for the China-run World Health Organization. You can't have two masters. Francis Peter says, thank you for everything you do, Ezra. You have some great additions to your team, great people. Well, thanks very much. I love our team. It's growing all the time. We have about 70 people here. And, you know, um, there's a lot to cover, not just here in Canada, but we have, even have some people popping up here and there around the world. You know, Avi in Australia and Lewis in the UK and uh, Juan Mendoza Diaz in Florida. Our little team is growing, so thanks for your support. That's our show for today. Till tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters and you at home, good night. Keep fighting for freedom. I'm Jeremy Lafredo for Rebel News in Harlem, New York, in front of the Blue Moon Convenience Store. It was here where Jose Alba fought off his violent attacker and ended up killing him. We're going to ask New Yorkers what they think about the case and if Jose Alba should be freed. It's certainly self-defense. Because he was working. I mean, you know, his guy was working, and the other guy from the came from and jump, jumping over the counter and trying to, and hit him, you know. And, you know, he, he have uh, the, the right to defend himself, you know. Definitely his actions were justified. I mean, no offense to the cops in the city, but they don't exactly do anything. So, I mean, like, what options do you have in that kind of situation? He was the one being attacked and, like, wronged in that situation. And he didn't know what this guy's going to do. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? This is a scary city. I don't think he should be charging for because it's plain to see he didn't plan it, it wasn't premeditated, it just came along with the struggle and fight. He, he felt at that time he needed a weapon to do what he had to do. He had no way out, no way to escape, you know, did what he had to do. Like I said, and he's on his problem. In that heat of the moment where, you know, you're getting shoved into the wall, the place where you work, especially when you're older, I'm 55, the guy's 19, 20 years old, comes in, middle of the night, shoves me around, and I have a weapon and I take it just to protect myself, I'm not thinking where I'm gonna, I'm, I'm not thinking I'm gonna kill the guy, I'm gonna protect myself and that's what happened, the guy ends up dying. And yes, I believe, you know, that is, that should be a case of self-defense, he should be acquitted because it's ridiculous, it's crazy, it really is. Personally, I think he didn't mean any harm because obviously he was just defending himself, so I don't really understand why it should be that much of an issue. I, uh, I think you should be able to defend yourself no matter what the situation is and you know by whatever means as long as it's just you know what I mean and especially if you're you're in your place of business that you're paying to um, operate out of then you should absolutely be able to defend yourself by whatever means whether it be a gun or a knife or whatever he should be completely uh, acquitted of charges. I think. It definitely, to me, in my perspective, it looked as a case of self-defense. The guy clearly wasn't trying to antagonize in any way, and that's the first thing I pay attention to. He was the one that was pushed against the wall in a corner in his own spot, and was put in a very dangerous situation. And in this world, sometimes, in those moments, you have to defend yourself, and that can go so many different ways, and any death is a tragic loss of human life. There is no such thing as a positive death. 
Um, but to me, I also want to take this as another way of emphasizing to people how much respect we need to make sure we're showing like the people who support this city in so many ways, including our Bodega workers, and to respect them because they're the reason that this city runs. The guy went behind the counter, and that's a no-no. You don't touch that private sphere, and right next to the cash register. Now the guy, what's his name, Alba? Mm -hmm. He didn't know what would happen to him. He was so defensive. Mm -hmm. He went down almost on his mm -hmm. knees just to prevent something. Yeah, and then the guy came back and beat him up. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we have a knife. I would have taken a knife. Do you think he, yes. Do you think he should be charged with murder? Or no, no way. He's innocent. Mm -hmm. Don't you dare. You know, I, I hate to say it, but I don't think anybody should have guns, especially the corrupt police, okay? Number one. But if they got them, everybody should be able to. I tell you, in Texas, man, old ladies carry guns in their purse, okay? So nobody robs them, nobody fucks with them. Here, I just saw a woman get fucking robbed the other day. They pulled a fucking shirt over these two kids. Pulled a shirt over her fucking head and took off fucking running because they know they can get away with it. I chased him to the corner, but I'm 67 years old, you know? What would have happened to him if he didn't have the chance to defend himself, you know? Do you think they should drop the murder charges? I do. I think I'm gonna side with the worker. It sounds like routine self-defense mm -hmm. to me. Um, I feel for them working in those stores. I can only imagine it's been more and more violent as, as things have gotten more difficult you know, post-pandemic, during the pandemic, it was a, it's violent. I definitely believe that he should be let off, self-defense. Morally, legally, like, no matter how you look at it. 